welcome to News of Strangeness. News of Strangeness is normally produced exclusively for Patreon members, but I'm going to release them from time to time to the public, like today's. Thank you all so much for the support. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. You can also visit our website, astudyofstrange.com, for new episodes, show notes, and more. Now, before I get into it, I want to hear from you. Do you have any personal stories of high strangeness or even strange news? I'm working on an idea to incorporate listeners into the show, and your personal stories would be very helpful. If you're interested in that, send a short version of your story to astudyofstrange at gmail.com. Remember, also check us out on Instagram at a study of strange, strange, strange. Can't, I can't, I can't say the title of my show. Maybe that's a problem. Anyway, let's stop wasting time and get into it. In June of this year, astronomers in China announced that they had detected a radio signal that had the characteristics of being from an intelligent alien civilization. What made the signal unique is that it had a very narrow bandwidth, a frequency of 140.604 MHz, apparently a signal nature cannot achieve on its own. Unfortunately, it was a false alarm. Astronomers made the detection using a new telescope called the 500-meter Aperture Spherical Radio Telescope, or FAST, FAST. What made the detection momentarily plausible is that it was aimed at an exoplanet, Kepler-438b, in the habitable zone, which is an orbital region with the best circumstances for life. And this was in the habitable zone of the star Kepler-438 in the constellation Lyra. Not only that, it's estimated to have a surface temperature of 37 degrees Fahrenheit, making it extra ripe for potential life. A signal from 438b is earth-shattering. That was too good to be true, however. Quickly, an article in the state-run newspaper Science and Technology Daily deleted the article. According to Live Science, Dan Wertheimer, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, a search for extraterrestrial intelligence researcher, which is SETI at the University of Berkeley, California, told Live Science that the narrow bandwidth radio signals he and his fellow researchers found are, quote, from human radio interference and not from extraterrestrials. I repeat, not from extraterrestrials. Wertheimer continued, the big problem, and the problem in this particular case, is that we're looking for signals from extraterrestrials but what we find is a zillion signals from terrestrials. They're very weak signals, but the cryogenic receivers on the telescopes are super sensitive and can pick up signals from cell phones, television, radar, and satellites. And there are more and more satellites in the sky every day. If you're kind of new in the game and you don't know all these different ways the interference can get into your data and corrupt it, it's pretty easy to get excited." End quote. Chinese officials did state that they are investigating, that it's highly likely it's human interference, but it could be a long investigation. It's always exciting when something like this happens. It's not the first time the world held its collective breath in anticipation of a signal from the cosmos. But I've always been of the thinking that if we pick up signals from intelligent life light years away, who's to say it's radio waves? They may be operating with entirely different technology 
that we don't have yet, or have the capability of picking up. Now, I'm not the most knowledgeable person when it comes to crypto or NFTs, but people are doing all sorts of strange things with NFTs these days. Non-fungible tokens, for the folks that aren't in the know. NFTs are commonly known for a digital process using the blockchain for artists to create, sell, and retain ownership of work. But NFTs can be so much more including a couple reported on The Verge that exchanged NFTs at their wedding instead of rings. Full disclosure, I'm part of a movie production that's raising money through the sales of NFTs. I'm not the one in charge of the NFTs or fully understand them. I'm strictly on the production side, but I see them being used in more ways than just selling art or monetizing a gimmick. I'm even skeptical myself, but I do love people trying new things. The newly married couple, Rebecca Rose and Peter Kekurjinski, apologies if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, they sent each other digital tokens as virtual rings to each other during their traditional Jewish ceremony. In a Twitter thread about the wedding, Rose said that their virtual rings now exist on the blockchain and, quote, for all to see as proof of our commitment to each other, end quote. You can see on the blockchain that two tokens were created and no more can ever be made. The NFT exchange may not be for everyone, but these two are employees of Coinbase, a cryptocurrency platform, and if it's romantic to them, that's all that matters. An unidentified murder victim, Ooh, this is a big shift in tone here, an unidentified murder victim has finally been identified after 40 years. In 1982, a badly beaten corpse of a young woman was found in a New Jersey cemetery. The victim became known as Princess Doe. According to All That's Interesting, thanks to DNA evidence and the confession of a convicted killer, Princess Doe has finally been identified as Dawn Olenek. The investigators have also named her suspected killer Arthur Kinlaw. The mystery began July 15, 1982 in Blairsville, New Jersey, when a gravedigger at the Cedar Ridge Cemetery named George Kais noticed a crucifix and chain lying on the ground. Kais then found Don Olenek's body nearby. Unidentified at the time, Olenek wore a red and white skirt and blouse. No undergarments, stockings, no shoes, no socks, no ID. The investigation seemed to hit dead ends and locals took it upon themselves to help bury Princess Doe. She became the first person included in the FBI missing persons database, but it wasn't until 2005 that investigators had a tip from a convicted killer. Arthur Kinlaw was in prison for the death of a woman he dumped into the East River. He wanted to confess to another murder, a woman he killed in New Jersey, but it would take 17 years to put the pieces together and finally identify Olenek. DNA evidence taken from a tooth and eyelash helped identify her. Olenek lived with her mother and sister, and somehow came across Arthur Kinlaw's path. Arthur wanted Olenek to pursue sex work, but the theory goes that she may have refused, and that's when he attacked her. Hopefully Olenek's family can get some closure, and they were appreciative to all law enforcement departments that never let up on the cold case. Currently, they're considering moving her body or letting it stay at peace in Blairstown. What if you found out a painting you owned was 
by a famous painter. Now, what if that painting was not just one painting, but two? Although the main painting we're talking about today wasn't a mystery, this is sort of what happened to the National Galleries of Scotland this year, when it was revealed that there was a painting on the back of a work by Vincent van Gogh. It's a self-portrait of the master himself. Van Gogh, you might know, cut off his own ear in 1888 following a argument or fight. He was not successful during his lifetime and would often paint on the backside of his canvases to save money. And that's what they expect happened here. Conservators made the discovery while examining head of a peasant woman as part of preparation for an exhibit of French Impressionism. The painting had been donated to the museum in 1960 by a private owner. Van Gogh in the painting has an intense stare, and you can only imagine what the conservator thought when they found an image looking back at them in the x-ray. The painting on the back was covered with glue and cardboard, and I'm not sure if they've worked to take off the cardboard yet. One thing is certain though, both of Van Gogh's ears are visible in the painting. What's the strangest thing you've ever found after moving into a new home? One time, when I was a kid, after my family moved into a home in Orlando, Florida, we found a hidden door, a small door, that led to a crawl space. And as a kid, I thought this was a huge, cool discovery, but it actually had a practical, unstrange use. That experience is not like the one Adam Powers 22 on Reddit had when he tore up the carpet of his new home to discover a giant pentagram carved into the wood floor. Now this new source being on Reddit and there being few details besides a picture and a small story, I'm not sure if this is a real story or if it is real, was it a joke by a previous owner? We just don't know. We don't know what is real about this. The pentagram is generally associated with Satanism and the occult, but knowing how much BS was behind the Satanic Panic, I'm leaning towards this being a pretty great joke left by the previous tenants. What I can say, though, is that even though I claim not to believe in the paranormal or Satanic forces, I don't think I want to live in that house. I'm going to finish today's strange news on a bit of a happy ending? Question mark? An Englishwoman, 26-year-old Whitney Franks, was caught attempting to hire a hitman on the dark web to have a co-worker who was a romantic rival killed. Their mutual quest? Their boss, a man named James Prest. James is a father and had a long-term relationship years ago, but that didn't stop him from having a romantic relationship with Franks. And then another woman who worked at the same office, Root Rutna. Authorities believe Franks began stalking Prest and discovered his multiple affairs. Her jealousy got the better of her, and she visited the dark web to offer 1,000 pounds to kill Rutna. She wrote, I'm looking for the murder of a woman. I have 1,000 pounds and I'm willing to pay more. This woman has caused a lot of problems for myself and others. Please, can you help sort this out? Then she provided the name and address of Rutna. Luckily, a reporter investigating the dark web informed the police, who then put Rudna under protective custody. Franks denies she sought the killer. So why do I say this is a happy ending? I guess it's because Franks was caught and prevented a murder. <laughs>
And on that strange backhanded positive outlook on that strange story, uh, we're going to wrap up today's strange news. Again, this is normally produced exclusively for a study of Strange's Patreon members. If you are interested in that, please visit our website, astudyofstrange.com, to learn more. I appreciate everybody that supported the show already. The best thing you can do is subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Please give us a follow on Instagram, and I look forward to bringing you more Tales of Strangeness very soon. Thank you so much 